That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Wednesday, July 29th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, a rundown of what the big tech CEOs told Congress this afternoon. Are Samsung and Google about to get a lot more integrated? The biggest news in the ongoing streaming media transformation of Hollywood. Buying out TikTok is going to be pretty expensive, and Shopify's earnings blow the roof off the place. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Today was the day... As I record these words, the big tech CEOs are still testifying before Congress, so I'm going to have to do a summary of what I've seen just in the first couple hours or so and leave some of the juicier question and answer back and forth for tomorrow. First up, a note on the format that we've been seeing. Yes, all of the CEOs were testifying remotely. They were using Cisco WebEx as the video conferencing tool, and it seemed to work fairly well, at least right until this very moment as I turned off the stream to go into the booth to record this. They took a 10-minute recess because apparently one of the witnesses was having an issue with their stream or feed, and I'm wondering if it might have been Jeff Bezos because... At least thus far, we're almost an hour and a half into the testimony, and he hadn't been asked a single question. Anyway, back to the whole idea of testifying remotely. If I were going to do one of those rate my video call backgrounds reports, Bezos looked like he was in some sort of executive boardroom, lots of tasteful tchotchkes behind him. Pachai looked like he was in a conference room at a high-end law firm. I couldn't tell what Zuckerberg was sitting in front of. It looked like closed vertical blinds almost, or like, I don't know, some sort of like a bunker, like if you're battening down your house for a hurricane. Tim Cook was in front of some sort of tasteful plant trough, though he was clearly working off an iPad Pro. Let's start off with what the Fab Four had to say in their opening statements. Amazon's Jeff Bezos underscored Amazon's job creation, its investments in social causes, and its role in supporting small and medium-sized businesses. And he made the case that, hey, Amazon is just a tiny competitor in a huge global market. Quote, the global retail market we compete in is strikingly large and extraordinarily competitive. Amazon accounts for less than 1% of the $25 trillion global retail market and less than 4% of retail in the U.S., Unlike industries that are winner-take-all, there's room in retail for many winners. For example, more than 80 retailers in the U.S. alone earn over $1 billion in annual revenue. Like any retailer, we know that the success of our store depends entirely on customer satisfaction with their experience in our store. Every day, 
Amazon competes against large established players like Target, Costco, Kroger, and of course Walmart, a company more than twice Amazon's size. And while we have always focused on producing a great customer experience for retail sales done primarily online, sales initiated online are now an even larger growth area for other stores. Walmart's online sales grew 74% in the first quarter, and customers are increasingly flocking to services invented by other stores that Amazon still can't match at the scale of other large companies. Companies like curbside pickup and in-store returns, end quote. Alphabet's Sundar Pichai said that Google also operates in a highly competitive market and that its free products benefit the average American. Quote, a competitive digital ad marketplace gives publishers and advertisers and therefore consumers an enormous amount of choice, Pichai stated. For example, competition in ads from Twitter, Instagram, Comcast, and others has helped lower online advertising costs by 40% over the last 10 years, with these savings passed down to consumers through lower prices. In areas like travel and real estate, Google faces strong competition for search queries from many businesses that are experts in those areas. Today's competitive landscape looks nothing like it did five years ago, let alone 21 years ago when Google launched its first product, Google Search. People have more ways to search for information than ever before, end quote. Tim Cook of Apple said that the App Store has opened the gate wider for software developers. Also, Apple doesn't have dominant market share. Quote, As much as we believe the iPhone provides the best user experience, we know it is far from the only choice available to consumers, Cook said. After beginning with 500 apps, today the App Store hosts more than 1.7 million, only 60 of which are Apple software. Clearly, if Apple is a gatekeeper, what we have done is open the gate wider. We want to get every app we can on the store, not keep them off, end quote. And Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg said, well, what he said a thousand times before, that Facebook knows it has more work to do on things like fighting misinformation, and that, you know, companies aren't bad simply because they're big. And... He took pains to point out that Facebook is an American success story. Quote, Although people around the world use our products, Facebook is a proudly American company, he said. We believe in values, democracy, competition, inclusion, and free expression that the American economy was built on. Many other tech companies share these values, but there's no guarantee our values will win out. For example, China is building its own version of the internet focused on very different ideas, and they are exporting their vision to other countries. As Congress and other stakeholders consider how antitrust laws support competition in the U.S., I believe it's important to maintain the core values of openness and fairness that have made America's digital economy a force for empowerment and opportunity here and around the world." End quote. In his opening remarks, the chairman of the committee, David Ciceline of Rhode Island, laid out three areas of inquiry that the hearing was scheduled to delve into, at least in questioning from the Democratic Congress folk. More on that in a second. Quoting CNBC, each platform allegedly serves as a, quote, bottleneck for a key channel of distribution, end quote. The platforms allegedly use their control over digital infrastructure to surveil other companies, their growth, business activity, and whether they might pose a competitive threat, and use that information to maintain their own power. And third, the platforms allegedly abuse their control over current technologies to extend their power through tactics like self-preferencing their own products. Quote, 
Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, these corporations already stood out as titans in our economy, Cicilline said. In the wake of COVID-19, however, they are likely to emerge stronger and more powerful than ever before. And he concluded by saying, quote, Our founders would not bow before a king, nor should we bow before the emperors of the online economy, end quote. But, as I say, while this was labeled as an anti-competitive, antitrust inquiry, it seems like the Republican Congress folk were primarily interested in probing alleged bias against conservative users. In fact, Jim Jordan, one of the ranking Republican representatives, spent most of his opening remarks railing against Twitter, which, if that continues, would basically be exactly what all of the CEOs in the talking head boxes would be hoping for, right? Lots of distraction and no real spotlight on them. In fact, a lot of the most heated questions directed at a company that's not even present. We'll see if that continues. But I have to say, straight off, Chairman Cicilline was asking very specific, targeted, sharp questions. He kept interrupting folks when they started to stray into doublespeak. And the very nature of the questions, from him and others, at least so far, this wasn't like previous congressional hearings we've covered, where the Congress folk didn't seem to even understand the businesses they were investigating. And maybe that was because, I don't know if you saw the woman sitting very prominently, very obviously behind Mr. Cicilline. Let me let the Washington Post fill you in on who that was. Quote, as a 28-year-old law student, Lena Khan penned a 24,000-word article for Yale Law Journal titled Amazon's Antitrust Paradox. The article described how U.S. antitrust law isn't equipped to deal with tech giants such as Amazon, even as the company has made itself as essential to commerce in the 21st century in the way that railroads and telephone systems had in the previous century. Khan now works as counsel for the antitrust subcommittee. She has worked with Cicilline to develop his case against the tech giants, including Amazon, end quote. As I said, the questioning is continuing as I speak these words. In fact, I just heard that they came back from their recess. The whole thing did kick off an hour late, only getting started at 1 p.m. Eastern, so I don't think it'll be done before 4 or 5 p.m. at least. So, again... I'll put together a summary of all of the juicy exchanges happening now for tomorrow. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live 
live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Very interesting rumor here. Sources are telling Bloomberg that Google and Samsung are in talks to give Google products more prominence on Samsung hardware, including more control over search. In essence, the talks are maybe about promoting the Google Assistant over, say, Samsung's Bixby, and maybe having the Play Store take over completely instead of Samsung's own efforts in app stores and marketplaces. Quote, that would provide the U.S. internet giant with more valuable daily access to Samsung users and would mean the Korean company's own mobile services, such as the Bixby Digital Assistant, are less integrated on its own devices, according to the correspondence. The move would be a capitulation for Samsung, but the drop in demand for mobile devices during the COVID-19 pandemic has intensified the company's need for revenue and weakened its negotiating position with a key partner. Samsung has tried to develop its own services for its smartphones, including an Android alternative that was initially called Bada OS, and later merged with other unsuccessful mobile software into the Tizen project. Samsung's Google Assistant rival Bixby has also met with little positive reception. The company has over the years trimmed the overlapping apps and services on its handsets, but it still has a few vestiges of prior efforts to more actively take on Google's apps suite." End quote. And huge news, a huge first step that could result in the complete transformation of Hollywood. And I'm not being hyperbolic at all. AMC, the movie theater chain, and Universal, the movie studio, have agreed to shorten the theatrical window for films produced by Universal to 17 days, or just three weekends. After that 17-day period, Universal is allowed to release its movies onto premium on-demand platforms, quoting The Verge. The New Deal marks a radical shift from the standard theatrical release window, which has typically been between 70 and 90 days in recent years, and could vastly alter the landscape of both theatrical and digital film. Universal and AMC had previously been feuding over release windows after Universal, spurred on by the direct-to-digital success of films like Trolls World Tour, which had skipped theaters due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, planned to release future films on both digital and theatrical platforms. AMC Theaters CEO Adam Aaron responded by calling Universal's plan unacceptable and threatened to ban all future Universal releases from AMC theaters. Although, given that theaters have yet to reopen, AMC never actually had to make good on that threat. It's not a completely straightforward shortening of the theatrical window. According to Variety, the deal only allows Universal to offer, quote, premium on-demand rentals in the roughly $20 range, regular-priced $3 to $6 rentals, which could vastly undercut theater tickets, will still have to wait 90 days after the theatrical debut. That term would seem to also undercut the possibility of films jumping earlier to streaming services like NBC Universal's new Peacock service. Additionally, Aaron notes that AMC will, quote, share in these new revenue streams and get a cut of those early rentals, although the two companies haven't revealed any details, end quote. This is the first step, as I say, because it is only right now a deal between one studio and one theater chain. But you have to imagine every other studio will want to do something similar in the future. Disney, Warner Brothers, Sony, the whole lot. 
Ben Fritz, a longtime entertainment journalist and author of an excellent book called The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies, tweeted, quote, After covering unsuccessful efforts to make this happen for 14 years as an entertainment industry reporter, I thought it would never happen. But I didn't count on a global pandemic literally decimating the cinema industry, end quote. Also an interesting rumor, remember how those U.S. investors in ByteDance have maybe been exploring the possibility of taking TikTok off of ByteDance's hands in order to avoid any sort of U.S. government ban? Well, the word is that if they do go through with this, those investors will have to pony up around $50 billion because TikTok is being valued at that number, which represents 50 times its projected 2020 revenue of around $1 billion. Quoting Reuters, By comparison, Snap is valued at 15 times its projected 2020 revenue at about $33 billion, according to data provider Refinitiv. It is unclear whether ByteDance's founder and CEO, Yiming Zhang, will be satisfied with the offer. ByteDance executives recently discussed valuation projections for TikTok that exceeded $50 billion, one of the sources said. TikTok is growing rapidly as it rakes in more cash from advertising, and its management team expects to achieve $6 billion in revenue in 2021, one of the sources said. ByteDance, which owns other apps, including TikTok's Chinese counterpart, Douyin, has set itself an overall revenue target for 2020 of about 200 billion yuan, or $28 billion, Reuters has previously reported. Privately held ByteDance has received a proposal from some of its investors, including Sequoia and General Atlantic, to transfer majority ownership of TikTok to them, the sources said. It has also fielded acquisition interest in TikTok from other companies and investment firms, the sources said, end quote. By the by... U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said this morning that TikTok is being reviewed by CFIUS, that trade body that has banned Chinese companies before, and that the body will be making a recommendation soon to President Trump about what should be done about TikTok. Sounds ominous. And let's end with a quick earnings report because it's from a company we've been watching lately as potentially the next big tech behemoth. Shopify has reported Q2 revenue of $714.3 million, up 97% year-over-year, with net income of $36 million compared to a year-ago net loss of $28.7 million. So Shopify reported earnings of $0.29 a share when estimates had been for earnings of just a penny a share. Quite a beat there. Shopify was up 10% or so in early trading this morning, quoting CNBC. The strength of Shopify's value proposition was on full display in our second quarter, Shopify Chief Financial Officer Amy Shapiro said in a release on Wednesday. We are committed to transferring the benefits of scale to our merchants, helping them sell more and sell more efficiently, which is especially critical in this rapidly changing environment, end quote. Shopify said in its earnings release that the ongoing effect of the COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated the shift of consumer purchasing habits to e-commerce. New stores created on Shopify grew 71% in the second quarter compared to the first quarter, while gross merchandise volume popped 119% year over year, end quote. By the way, Descript 
is a podcast editor that uses artificial intelligence to make transcripts of shows and ties those transcripts and basically the text to the audio. So you can make edits in the text generated that then translates directly to edits made on the audio track. It's a pretty cool trick, but I've never really used it for our purposes because I can edit faster listening to the recording than scanning text. But yesterday, Descript announced a new feature that they're calling Overdub. Basically, once you train the system on your voice, you have to read a whole bunch from The Wizard of Oz, apparently, to train the system. You can essentially create your own deepfake audio. So I could write out a whole block of text, feed it into Descript, and the Overdub feature would create audio using my voice without me actually speaking. Obviously... That sounds insanely cool, so we got to try this out. As soon as I can, probably over the weekend, I'm going to re-download Descript and train it on my voice. Then next week, I'll do a segment or two created entirely on the overdub feature without me physically recording anything, and we'll see how well it does. We'll see what it sounds like. Is it robotic? Is there an uncanny valley for audio? I'm a nerd too, y'all. So I can't resist trying out nerdy new things like this for myself. Talk to you tomorrow.